Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. All right, so last week I started off Easter Sunday telling you that the garden, that Jesus going to the garden to pray and Jesus being in the garden during his betrayal, I told you that that was important. And I want to expand this week on what I mean by that. Why was the garden important? Why is there an emphasis on the garden of Jesus being in the garden? So I want to explain that to you this morning, uh, what, what the purpose of that is. So when you're studying scripture, there's, there's an art and science to studying scripture. And the art and science of studying scripture is called hermeneutics. And every good Bible scholar knows that the first principle of hermeneutics, the first principle of studying the Bible is called the first mention principle. Now, I'll be honest, there's like seven principles, I think, in hermeneutics. Most people only know the one because that's all I ever hear people talk about. And that's really the only one I know very well. So I need to study that a little bit more. But the first principle to hermeneutics is called the first mention principle. And what that principle is means, what the first mention principle is, is that the first time you read about a subject or a thing in the Bible, that the meaning of that, that the, the context around that carries throughout the rest of Scripture. So the first time a subject is mentioned, that context, that meaning carries throughout the rest of Scripture. Now, it can be added to, it, just like a chain, it's, the first mention is like a first link in the chain. And that there can be other links added onto that chain. So, so the meaning can grow. The meaning uh, can be added to. But it never loses what it was intended to mean there at the beginning. That it, it carries throughout all of Scripture. Okay? So when you realize that principle and you begin studying the garden, obviously the first mention of a garden in Scripture is of the Garden of Eden. Right? So the first mention of a garden in scripture is the mention of the garden. The garden in Genesis was a dwelling place. It was a place of dominion. The father gave Adam and Eve dominion over everything in the garden. It was a place of creativity. He allowed Adam and Eve then to go on and to name the animals and, and to be creative and to co-create with the Father. It was a place of creativity. It was a place of fruitfulness and of life that every tree in the garden uh, had fruit growing on it. That it was a place of fruitfulness and of life. And most importantly, it was a place of communion with the Father. It was a place of meeting with the Father and walking in the cool of the day. So all of that thing, all of that that the garden was in the Garden of Eden, that thought, those things carry throughout all of Scripture when it talks about gardens. So prophetically, let me just boil it down to this. Prophetically speaking, I believe that the garden is the place of prayer and communion with the Father. It is the meeting place or the secret place, as the scripture calls it a lot of times, that is the secret place of meeting with the Father. Amen? It's interesting to note as well in Genesis chapter 2, verse 10, it's interesting to note that it says that there was a river that went through Eden that watered the garden. 
And from there, it parted and became four riverheads. It's interesting that there's a river running through the garden because it's widely known that a river in scripture oftentimes is a picture or a shadow of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me prove it to you. John chapter seven, verse 37 says, then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, all you thirsty ones come to me, come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Jesus, listen to this, Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that the believers were being prepared to receive. So, like I said, many times in scripture, the river is reference to the Holy Spirit. The moving of a river is referencing the Holy Spirit. So you have this picture then of the garden. And once again, what does the garden represent? The garden represents communion. The garden represents uh, the secret place of prayer. And that through the garden runs a river. So if the garden is prayer, then the, the river is the Holy Spirit. So you have this beautiful picture of what prayer can look like to the believers. Prayer is this beautiful garden that, that through the middle of the garden, the Holy Spirit. So as you enter into that place of communion, as you enter into that place of prayer, that as you enter into that secret place with the Father, that you enter in there with the Father, but that through that, and out of that flows this river called the Holy Spirit. That through the place of prayer, out of that place flows this river called the Holy Spirit. And it's also interesting. I'm going to do a lot of teaching right up here at front. It's also interesting that four rivers burst out of the river of Eden. So that as the river flows out of the garden, it turns into four rivers. And those four rivers are significant as well prophetically speaking. So out of the place of prayer, out of the place where the river moves, there are four things that come out of that. The first river is called, I'm going to totally mess these names up, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. The first river is called the Pishon River. And the name Pishon in the original language is the word for increase, is the word for increase. The second river is the, word, is, the, is the river Gihon, which means bursting forth. The third river is, this one's tough, it's Hittikel, or it's better well known as the Tigris River, and it means rapid, swift, and darting. And the last one is the Euphrates, the great Euphrates River, which means fruitfulness. So what, it, what is this saying then? That out of that place of prayer, out of that secret garden where the Holy Spirit broke, brings forth, that the what flows out of that place is increase. Increase in anointing, increase in love, increase in whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of abundance. It's a picture of growth. That out of the place of prayer, there is a bursting forth. John 4 verse 14 says, If anyone drinks the living water that I give them, they will never thirst again and will therefore be satisfied. For when they drink the water that it, when they drink, 
When, for when you drink the water that I give, it will become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing forth and flooding you with endless life. So as you come through the garden, as you come through that place of prayer, there is a bursting forth. There is a gushing. There is an overflow of the Holy Spirit. It is rapid. It is swift. And it, what, what I took from that, it is rapid. It is swift. When you, when you look at waters, when you look at uh, the way water works, that if the water is not moving, if the water is still, if, it is, if it's a pond, it, there's, no, there's not life that grows in it. Life cannot grow in stagnant water. There, there's no life in it. But life comes when the river is flowing. When the river is moving and it says that the trees on its banks begin to grow and begin to bud forth because the roots go down into the flowing river. The water brings life. So out of that place of prayer, out of that garden comes a rapid, swift, darting stream that brings life, that brings wholeness, that brings growth to the one who has it. And finally, the Euphrates, the fruitfulness that out of the place of prayer comes fruitfulness. Luke chapter 13, verse 19 says, it is like the smallest of seeds. This is Jesus talking about the kingdom. It says, it is like the smallest of seeds that you would plant in a garden. And when it grows, it becomes a huge tree with so many, so many ready branches that various birds make nests there. That when you plant the seed of prayer, that when you plant the seeds of devotion, that out of that ground becomes fruitfulness. Listen, what I took from that is this, that when you go to the place of prayer and when you ask the Father something in the place of prayer, whether you're asking for healing, whether you're asking for, for, uh, for financial issues, whatever it may be, whether it's you're, you're fighting anxiety, or you're fighting depression, whatever it is, when you take that seed, when you take that prayer and you plant it in the garden of prayer, when you plant it in the place of the secret place, that it becomes fruitful and that it springs forth out of the ground and becomes a large tree where people can come and they can nest or where birds can come and set their nest, that it becomes a fruitful place when you plant that seed of prayer in, or when you plant that seed in the garden of prayer, that it is a place of fruitfulness. So out of this garden, out of this secret place flows the river of the Holy Spirit and out of that garden comes increase. It comes uh, uh, abundance bursting forth. It comes rushing, swift, darting. It becomes, uh, um, it becomes a place of growth and a place of life and it becomes a place of fruitfulness when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That the garden is the secret place of prayer. It is the place of communing with the Father. Amen? So through the first mention principle, through the first mention of the garden, through Genesis, we know that the garden is a meeting place or a place of communion, a place of dominion, creativity, and fruitfulness. It is the secret place of prayer. We know that the river of the Holy Spirit flows through it and waters the garden, that the Holy Spirit waters the place of prayer. If the, if the place of prayer is boring for you, then my question is, is there a river flowing through your garden where the river of the Holy Spirit waters the garden and brings forth life? Amen. 
So it's the place of prayer and the Holy Spirit is the river that flows through it. So we understand that out of that place comes increase, overflow, and fruitfulness. But there is one other thing in Genesis. There may be other things, but one other thing we're going to talk about this morning about the garden that Genesis tells us in the first mention. It is, and it is this, it's in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. It says that God put man in the garden to cultivate and to keep it. That the other thing that we learn in Genesis about the garden, it is that that man is to cultivate it. That man has been given the task to cultivate it and to keep it. The very word garden itself in the original language means a place of cultivating. A place that needs cultivating. Matthew 6, 6 one of my favorite scriptures on prayer, tells us that he dwells in the secret place, right? The scripture is that it says, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who's in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the scripture tells us that the father dwells in the secret place, but it also tells us that it is our responsibility to go to the secret place, it is our responsibility to go to the closet, to shut the door, to be with the Father who is in the secret place. And Genesis tells us, again, that it is our responsibility to cultivate the garden. It is our responsibility to make sure that the garden is being tended to. The Father is there in the garden. Communion is available, but it is our job to make sure that we take the steps into the garden and that we cultivate it. So my challenge this morning to you is this, is to cultivate the garden of prayer. The garden will not grow on its own. The garden will not uh, bear fruit on its own. In order for you to reap the fruit of the garden, you have to step foot into the garden. You have to cultivate that place of prayer. And I'm afraid too many times we are uh, wanting the fruit of the garden. We are wanting the increase. We are wanting the anointing. We are wanting the abundance, the fruitfulness of the garden. But we are unwilling to go and to cultivate that place of prayer. That it actually takes work to cultivate the garden. It actually takes some responsibility on our part, some discipline on our part to make sure that the garden is bearing fruit. That if it's not bearing fruit, it is not because the Lord is not in the garden. If it's not bearing fruit, it is because we are not cultivating it. It is because we are not doing our part in cultivating that place of prayer. So I'm challenging you this morning, cultivate the place of prayer. Cultivate the garden of prayer. Go into the secret place and shut the door and be with the one who dwells in the secret place. He promises in his word that he will be there, but he also tells us it is our job to make sure we step into the closet. It is our job to make sure we are cultivating the garden. Amen? So make sure this morning, make sure this week that you are cultivating that place of prayer. That if you want increase, that if you want overflow, if you want fruitfulness in your life, then you have to cultivate the place of prayer. Amen? You have to cultivate the place of prayer. Last week, again, I started off the service with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now that we understand 
through Genesis what the garden represents. Now that we see the first mention, what prophetically the garden represents, let's go back to the garden of Gethsemane. Let's go back to the place where Jesus went to pray. So go with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse, we're going to start in verse 39. Luke chapter 2, verse 39, it says, Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, and as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. That it says it was his habit to go to the garden, to the place of secret prayer. It wasn't a once in a while thing. It wasn't only when he was in need of something. It was consistent. It was his habit to go to the place of prayer. So we see right here from the beginning that Jesus himself, the son of God, cultivated a place of prayer. He cultivated the garden of prayer. So Jesus cultivated the place of prayer that he went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. And I'm going to, I'm going to stop right there even, uh, and, and expand on this as well. A few weeks ago, Pastor Ron sent me a message, uh, and that, that, um, he was in his study time. He felt like the word had, or the Lord had given him a word, uh, as he was studying. And the word was this, it was, um, it was, he noticed that in scripture, you would oftentimes see Jesus go off to pray on his, on his own. That he would oftentimes go to the garden. That oftentimes he'd go to the mountaintops. And that he would go and pray in the secret place. And what Pastor Ron said he noticed was that every time he came out of that secret place of prayer, he came out of it either with a powerful uh, display of the Holy Spirit or with a word, a powerful word for the people. That he always came out of the secret place Dwell, or with power dwelling within him, that he always came out of that place with power dwelling within him. And, he, and it was because he cultivated that place of prayer. And then the challenge that the Lord gave Pastor Ron was, we are now in a secret place. We have been forced into a hidden place through this virus. You know, we all have to stay in our homes. We all have to practice social distancing and all of that stuff, we have been forced to slow down and to go into a hiding, into a secret place. The question the Holy Spirit asked Pastor Ron is, will we come out of that place with power? Will we come out of that place with a word from the Lord? Will we come out of that place with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us? And so that's the question. Will we use this time to cultivate in the garden or are we going to waste this moment? Are we going to waste this time and come out of this unmotivated with lack of vision and on the same path we were when we entered into this place? What, what are we going to do with this time? Are we going to use this time to come out of it with power or are we going to squander this moment? Are we going to lose this opportunity and come out of it exactly the same way we started it? And it's up to us. And it has everything to do with what I'm talking about this morning. It has everything to do with whether or not we are cultivating the garden of prayer. It has everything to do with whether or not we've made a habit of going to Gethsemane and being with the Father. 
And so that's, that's, I have a lot of challenges. That's another one for you this morning. Are we going to waste this opportunity or are we going to come out of this with power and with authority? And that is up to what we do with this time, with this moment. What are we going to do with this moment? So Jesus, in verse 39 there, he made a habit of going to the Mount of Olives, his place of prayer. Let's go ahead and read on a little bit further. It says, there he told the apostles, keep praying for strength to be spared for the severe test of your faith that is about to come. Then he withdrew from a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if it your will, take this cup of agony away from me. But no matter what, your will must be mine. Jesus called for an angel to Uh, an angel of glory to strengthen him. And the angel appeared and he prayed even more passionately like one being sacrificed until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. And then when Jesus finished praying, here's where I want to get to. When Jesus finished praying, he got up and went to his disciples and found them asleep for they were exhausted and overwhelmed from sorrow. So he found the disciples asleep. He found the disciples asleep. As he was praying in the garden, the disciples were sleeping. And as I was studying the scripture this week, the Lord reminded me of another instance when some, someone, or in this case, several, were in agony and in terror and somebody else was asleep. And it's the story of when the disciples were on the boat in the middle of the river And all of a sudden a storm came, which happens apparently a lot to the disciples because there's several stories where they're on the boat and all of a sudden this terrible storm comes and almost kills them. So this is another one of those instances. They're on the boat. The the storm begins, uh, begins picking up steam and they become terrified for their life. And where is Jesus to be found? He's found underneath the boat, completely fast asleep in the middle of the storm. So it's the exact opposite, that when the disciples are in turmoil and there's a storm raging, Jesus is asleep. But in the garden, when Jesus was in turmoil, the disciples were asleep. And what the Lord said to me was this. The Lord said to me, what what the Lord said to me was, if you are awake in prayer in the garden, then you will be able to sleep in peace through any storm. That if you are awake and you are attentive and you are cultivating that place of prayer in the garden, then when the storm comes, you will not be in turmoil. You will not be in fear. You will not be in anxiety. But instead, you'll be at complete rest and stillness and in total peace. And as some of you right now have been experiencing anxiety, you have been experiencing fear. Some of you maybe even depression throughout this entire process uh, through the virus and through the stay-at-home orders and through all the pandemic and all of the fear-mongering and all of the things, you have found yourself in anxiety and you have found yourself with fear. And I want to tell you that if you cultivate the place of prayer, then through any storm, including this pandemic, you will be able to sleep at complete peace and at complete, re- complete rest through any storm life throws your way. That if you cultivate the garden, you will sleep through the storm. You'll be at peace through the storm. And that's not just with this virus. That's any situation you find yourself in in life. 
any situation, any storm that you find yourself in, if you have cultivated the river, if you have cultivated the garden, then you will be able to rest through the storm. But what's amazing, what the Lord pointed out to me was this as well. Not only did the Lord sleep through the storm, not only did he rest through the storm, but when the disciples came and woke him up, Jesus went onto the deck, and what did he do? He spoke to the winds and the waves. He spoke to the storm and told them, peace, be still. And through his power, through his dominion, through his authority, he silenced the storm. He silenced the winds and the waves. And it goes all the way back to the first mention of the garden. Because not only was it a place of prayer, it was a place of dominion and of power. That God gave Adam and Eve dominion in the garden. And as you cultivate the garden, as you cultivate the place of prayer, you also inherit dominion. You also inherit the authority of the Lord in that place of prayer. And not only will you sleep through the storm, but you'll have dominion over the storm. You'll have authority over the storm as you cultivate the place of prayer. And that's why I can stand here on this stage. That's why we could pray during the Zoom conference and declare with boldness that this thing is going to end suddenly and that we can speak to this storm to end and have authority and dominion over it because we have cultivated the secret place of prayer. Because we have cultivated the garden of prayer. So not only do you have peace, but you also have dominion. Amen? Amen. One last point. I promise I'm getting there. I know it's a little longer this morning. I know you're in your lazy boy, so it's harder to stay awake. But stay with me because this is, I feel like, feel so heavily that this is a word from the Lord for our congregation. That he is calling us into the secret place of prayer. And I have one last, one last point for you that I want to make. So we find Jesus in the garden during the, during the last hour that he has, the last few hours that he has. We find him in the garden of prayer. We find him being betrayed in the garden. But it is not the last time we see Jesus in the garden. That the garden of Gethsemane is not the last garden we find Jesus in in the Bible. John chapter 19 verse 41 says... That near the place where Jesus was crucified was a garden. And in the garden, there was a new tomb where no one had yet been laid to rest. So that the place where Jesus was buried was a garden. The place where he was planted. Look at, think of it, Luke, whatever I read earlier, Luke Luke 19, the seed being planted in the garden. That Jesus was the seed planted in the garden. That he was buried. I'm, ha I'm getting some of this revelation actually right now. Because it, it, it also talks about uh, when Jesus is, is, is uh, uh, here, here's the voice from the Father when the Greeks come. It says that unless a seed is planted into the ground and dies... That it will not be able to bear, bear fruit. It will not be able to, to bear fruit out of the ground. And Jesus was the seed planted in the garden, in the tomb. That he was the seed that was planted in the garden. So Jesus was planted in the garden, in the tomb. John chapter 20, verse 11. This, this gets really good right here. So tune in. This gets really, really good. I'm excited. 
to share this. In John chapter 20, verse 11. John chapter 20, verse 11. Jesus is just being raised from the dead. It says, Mary arrived back at the tomb, broken and sobbing. She stopped to peer inside, and through her tears, she saw two angels in dazzling white robes sitting where Jesus' body had been laid, one at his head and one at his feet. And, it's, and she said, and the angel said, dear woman, why are you crying? They asked. And Mary answered, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. Then listen to this. Then she turned around to leave and there was Jesus standing in front of her, but she did not realize it was him. And he said to her, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And listen, Mary answered thinking only that he was the gardener. That, that Mary saw Jesus as the gardener. And, he, she's, and he, she said, Sir, if you have taken his body somewhere else, tell me and I will go. And it says, Then Mary, Jesus interrupted, turning to face him, said, Rabbi. And she recognized that it was Jesus. That Jesus was that seed planted into garden, into the garden and was now raised from the dead. And I think it's interesting. I'm not going to go into detail on all of this for time's sake. But it's interesting that Mary, when she first saw him, recognized him as the gardener. And I'll let you take that and, and run with that wherever way you want to go. But I think there's a lot of prophetic significance in that, that, G, that Mary saw him as the gardener. But the point I want to make out of that is this. Many of you know the, the hymn, In the Garden. Everybody knows the hymn, In the Garden. I would sing it for you, but you know how that goes. So um, there's a reason they don't give me a mic during praise and worship. But the, everybody knows the song, In the Garden. That song was written by a man named Austin Miles. Austin Miles. Austin Miles uh, wrote gospel songs, obviously, wrote hymns, but in his spare time, his hobby was photography. And that, that, uh, that, or as he was doing photography, as he would be in the dark room developing the photos, he would uh, have a special light in there where he would read and study scripture. And one day, as Austin was was in the dark room, was developing some photos. He was reading this very passage we just read. He was reading John chapter 20. And he was reading where Jesus, uh, where Mary met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus for the first time in the garden. And it says that as he, as he was reading that, he just, it says that he just closed his eyes and began imagining what Mary would have been feeling as she encountered Jesus in the garden. And it, and it said that he just spent some time there just, just imagining what that would have been like. And then, then it said that all of a sudden he opened his eyes and he realized he had his Bible clutched in his fist and he was trembling all over. And it said that every muscle in his body was tense. And it, and it says this, it says that he thought to himself, he had this thought. He said, this is not an experience limited to happening almost 2000 years ago. It is the daily companionship with the Lord that makes up the Christian life. 
So Austin had an encounter with the Lord in the garden in that moment and realizes this wasn't just something we read about that happened 2,000 years ago. Being in the garden with Jesus is something we can experience right now. And it is actually vital to the Christian life that we are walking with Jesus in the garden. And then it goes on to tell, the story goes on to say that Austin, in that moment, in that, that revelation, in that uh, experience, encounter with the Lord, that he sat down and he penned the lyrics to the song in the garden. And he said, as he wrote the song, it didn't take him hours. It didn't take him even several minutes that he wrote the song. It was like the Holy Spirit was writing it with him. And he penned the lyrics in the garden in the moment of an encounter in the garden of prayer. You know, many times, many times when that song is sung, it's sung, it's sung at funerals. That's most of the time when we hear that song. Is, is at funerals. And obviously that's, that's perfectly fine. And, and we sing that song and we imagine our loved ones who have, have passed on and who are now in heaven. We imagine them walking with Jesus in the garden, but it was never Austin Miles's intent to convey the message that we walk with Jesus when we die. His intent of the song was that we walk with Jesus now in this life, in this moment. His intent was that we walk with Jesus now. That in the garden is not a place for the afterlife. That in the garden is the place for this moment, for this right now. You know, I talked about last week that the word resurrection, the word resurrection is not just about Jesus being raised from the dead. But the word resurrection is actually the word is the word to, for restoration that the Jews believe that the word resurrection, they believe that it was God's intent to restore all things, to restore all of creation. And it is no accident that Jesus was resurrected in a garden. It was no accident. And I believe that it was a sign. It was a prophetic declaration to us that what he was resurrecting was the walks with God. The, yaks with, the walks with Yahweh, Father God, in the cool of the day. That communion with God could happen once again in the garden. And that through that, that we can have fellowship daily with the Father. And that out of that would flow increase, anointing, overflow, fruitfulness, out of the place of intimate prayer in the garden. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My prayer this morning is that God would restore the garden in you. I wrote down, I wrote down a few scriptures that I want to just declare prophetically over you this morning. Paul, would you mind coming up and just playing something? I feel like, I felt like these scriptures were something the Lord wanted me to prophetically pray over you this morning. The first one comes out of Isaiah 51 verse 3. It says, it says this, it says, indeed, Yahweh will comfort Zion. Zion, many times in scripture, is talking about his remnant. It's talking about his people. So it says that Yahweh will comfort Zion. He will restore her and comfort her uh, and comfort all her broken places. He will transform her wilderness into the garden of bliss or the garden of Eden. Her desert 
into the garden of Yahweh. Joy and laughter will fill the air with thanksgiving and joyous melodies. And I, what I felt like the Lord wanted me to declare out of that scripture was some of you are dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with fear, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with broken places in your life, broken, dry places. And what I felt like the Lord wanted me to declare it over you was this, that I declare that as you cultivate your garden of prayer, that the broken places will be mended, that your dry wilderness, listen to this, your dry wilderness will be turned into a garden. Your wilderness wanderings will be turned into wonder in the garden. Our word for the year, is wonder that the wonder of the Lord. I believe that the that you're wandering around in the wilderness, that you're wandering around in anxiety and depression, that as you begin to cultivate the garden, as that garden begins to grow in those dry and desert places, that your wandering in the wilderness will turn into wonder in the garden that the broken places in your life are going to be restored, that the dry uh, desert places in your life are going to become a beautiful, life-giving, fruitful garden that grows as you cultivate that place of prayer. So I declare that healing in the broken places for those of you who are dealing with brokenness in your life, that as you cultivate the garden, that the Father is going to begin to cause increase in joy and peace and in love in your life right now in the name of Jesus. The other scriptures are this. One is out of Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse, starting in verse 11 and in verse 12. It says, Yahweh will always guide you where to go and what to do. He will fill you with refreshment even when you are in a dry, difficult place. I believe right now we're in a dry, difficult place with this whole pandemic, this whole virus, but it says that the Lord will fill you with refreshment, even in the dry and desert place. He will continually restore strength to you, so you will flourish like a well-watered garden and like an ever-flowing, trustworthy spring of blessing. So that, so listen, so that's verse 11, and because of verse 11, because of his life-giving uh, waters into the garden, it says in verse 12, your people will rebuild long deserted ruins, building anew on the foundation laid long before you or the foundation of many generations. You will be known as repairers of cities and as restorers of communities that as you cultivate the garden, your name becomes the repairer of cities and the restorer of communities. And then Ezekiel 36, 35 through 36 says, so they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the garden of Eden and the wasted, desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and the plants that were desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and it will, and I, and it, and I will do it that the Lord is going to begin restoring the desolate places. That when we moved, listen to this, when we moved home from Alabama 
the word that I felt like I received from the Lord was that you are going to find a river in the desert land. It comes from a song uh, from Jason Upton, but it's also from a scripture in Isaiah. And it says that it says that that you will find a river running through a desert land. And I believe that's what the Lord is declaring through these scriptures right now. That I declare over you today that your cultivated garden is going to spring forth a river of living water and that it will soak up the dry and desert land. It will bring life where there was death. That as you cultivate your garden, that out of you will flow rivers of living water and that that river will soak in the desert and the dry places, that it will soak in the dead places and it will bring life wherever you go. That you will be called repairs of cities and restores of communities. I felt like that's what the Lord is calling our company of people this morning, that as we cultivate our garden, that we will become the restores of cities, that, we'll be, that we will uh, that we'll be the restores of communities. And I believe that's what the Lord has for us, that cultivating the garden is not just for your benefit. It is not just for your uh, pleasure and your, and your joy, although it will produce all of that, but cultivating that garden is going to spring out from you a river of living water. And it will be said of our people that we have become restorers of the broken cities, that we'll become restorers of the broken communities, that as we release that river of living water, it will, it will, it will go into the desert and the dry places where there is only death and it will produce life as we cultivate the place of secret prayer. So that's why this is so important. That's why I feel like this is a word from the Lord because I believe that harmony has a mission to restore the desolate places around us. And that can, that can be people and that can be entire communities and cities. But I believe we are not just supposed to gather on Sunday mornings. We are not supposed to just build each other up, although we are going to do all of those things, but we are supposed to be restorers of cities and restorers of communities. And that in order for us to do that, we have to, guys, this is not, this is not an optional thing. We must cultivate our own personal prayer gardens. We must cultivate the place of prayer. If we don't, then we will lose out on our mission. We will not accomplish what the Lord has set for us because the secret to the power, the secret to the life coming out of us is the secret place. It's not an option anymore. We have to cultivate this place of secret prayer. And I believe with all of my heart that this moment was not accidental. That this, this moment of us not being able to gather as hard and difficult as it is not to be able to see each other on a Sunday morning, as, as much as we miss that, I believe that the Lord is, is screaming to us right now of starting our place of, of the secret prayer, of secret prayer, that we don't have the option of, of feeding off of each other's spirituality anymore. We don't have the option of feeding off other people's secret garden because we're not with each other anymore. That right now the Lord is declaring that your house has to become a cultivated garden. That your place where you dwell has to become a secret place of prayer. That we have no other option 
but to seek him in the secret place, to cultivate the place of prayer. So my commission to you is this. This is not a request. My commission to you is to cultivate the garden of secret prayer because I believe that it is, it is weighed into balance the nations or the cities around us, that people's lives are at stake because it is out of our place of prayer that we will have impact in their life. It is out of that place of prayer that we will become the restorers of the cities, that we'll become the restorer of communities. So I commission you now to cultivate your garden, cultivate the secret place of prayer, cultivate the secret place of prayer. Jesus, I just pray over our people watching right now, people watching live right now, Father, in their living rooms, God, that you would stir in them a passion and a hunger to cultivate their garden of prayer. That you would stir in them a hunger to seek your face with everything that they have. Father, that everything else would become secondary that everything else would, be, would take second place to cultivating the secret place of prayer. Father, I pray that right now, Jesus, that you would give us a grace to enter into that place. God, that as we enter into that place of prayer, God, that we wouldn't have to strive and we wouldn't have to work, but Father, that we would meet you in that secret place of devotion and of prayer. God, and that it would stir in us a hunger to go back over and over and over again. God, I declare the word that Pastor Ron had, uh, that as we go into that hidden place, as we go into that place of prayer, that when we emerge from that garden, that when we emerge from that place of prayer, we'll emerge with power and with authority and with anointing that we have never experienced before. God, that it will literally drip off of us, the anointing of the Lord. Father, that there would be a power that is on our lips. God, that there would be a power, Lord, that when we speak, mountains are moved. When we speak, the winds and the waves would cease. When we speak, there would be healing that would come from that place. Father, that there would be a river of living water that would gush out of us as we emerge from that place of prayer. That there'd be increase, that there'd be anointing, and that there'd be fruitfulness from that place of prayer. Hallelujah. Jesus, I believe it with all my heart that you have set this moment and this time for this thing, for this, for this reason. And Father, I pray that we do not waste it, that we do not waste this moment, but we cultivate it and we let it grow inside of us so that when we return, so that when we emerge out of this pandemic, God, we'll emerge full of authority and full of dominion and full of power. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, just grace to cultivate your garden. I pray grace to cultivate your garden in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that that song, that hymn in the garden would become our theme song as we cultivate the garden that we walk with you, that we talk with you, and that we hear you call us your own. Hallelujah. Let that be our theme in this season, that we are walking in the garden with the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.